getting out what's on your brain on paper is like life-changing. Welcome to You Should Write a Book About That. I'm Kim O'Hara, a book coach with a story inside, and I'm interviewing fascinating people from all walks of life with a story to tell. Do these folks have a best-selling book in them? Stick around and find out. Stephanie Heller has always been obsessed with understanding overthinking and the price one pays. She wasn't always a power coach who says, which I love, you are the author of your own life. In her past life, she was a personal chef for boutique dinner parties, which eventually grew to employing eight chefs and cooking for 30 different athletes and sports club owners, as well as the Dodgers, yay go Dodgers, spring trading major and minor league teams. It's so good to have you on the show today. And I just want to take a really long, deep breath with all the overthinking right now. Is that something we should do? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. I know you're like me and, you know, maybe it's because you, you know, come from Queens, a straight shooter. So tell the listeners how you zero in on people's bullshit because people like to stay stuck before they get better. Yes, definitely. First of all, thank you for having me. This is such an honor. And getting to talk to people about their own bullshit is the best part of my day. So I kind of don't buy into their story or whatever they're saying and get to the layers beneath it to see what's really going on in their head that's keeping them stuck. So what are we out to lose with overthinking, especially as business owners? What are the stakes? Yes, the cost is higher than we could ever imagine. And I always have clients make a list of what they think it's costing them. And then when we get into it, it's almost triple. So what I usually hear it's costing people is slower decisions in business, missing out on opportunities, losing time because you don't know what to focus on, not knowing what to invest in, uh, either in your business or in your life. Even relationships, like how close you are to people or who you let in, is definitely could be damaged or even ruined by constant overthinking. And you told me um, the mindset and skill that you had to be an amazing personal chef had nothing to do with food. Was that in play there when, when you were in the top of your game in that business? Was there overthinking? And how did you avoid that when you were really at that top of success? Definitely, because everybody thinks it's all about the food. And that's, of course, a big part of it. But we're really not selling food. You're selling an experience and a feeling back to the client and especially giving them time back. So when the chef or the technician is sitting there overthinking, you know, are they going to like this? Am I doing this right? They have so much money. I don't know what I'm doing here. This isn't going to turn out right. It really affects the end product and how you show up. So you're you know, subconsciously, your demeanor will close down, maybe you're not as friendly, or you're not open to hearing feedback. So it definitely gets in the way of that lifetime and in this lifetime for me. And so many people and I and I've 
made it very clear you're not in that business anymore. Right now, you're an amazing coach helping people with overthinking, but everyone's cooking right now. Like everybody's mm-hmm. doing food. So do you actually tell your clients ever to take a break and go enjoy some good food? <laughs> yeah, of course. Especially like we've been stuck at home for ages and like life has changed a lot. But um, all work and no play leads to a horrible life. So I definitely tell them to go outside, cook. There has to be a balance in everything. You can't just work all day and then be like, why am I not happy? Or why don't I have what I want? Because pleasure and getting to know yourself better and doing things you actually want to do will lead you to your result as well. And ultimately, marrying that career and personal life balance that I think it's, it's, you know, I know as me personally in my own business, there's been a lot of overthinking that's gone on. I'm, I'm trying to eradicate it. When you were in the chef business and it was making really good money, you chose to walk away to be a coach and help people stop, you know, rejecting their world. How hard was that decision? It was a hard decision. And I'll tell you what made it so excruciatingly hard was overthinking and not coming to a decision quickly and powerfully. It was weighing on me. And I absolutely love what I did for 11 years. And it was still making really good money. So it was hard to choose to do something else. But um I got an awesome opportunity to sell part of it and then to close part of it. But um, I was making it mean a ton of horrible things about myself and that this was, there wasn't a right answer. And how can you walk away from this? It was so draining for months and months. And I just finally decided I love coaching. I love helping people offering a transformation that people don't even know is possible is thrilling. And I just thought I did this for 11 years. Let's do something else. And I was coaching personal chefs how to start their business for about three years toward the end. And I just wanted to open up that audience a little more. So it was a very hard decision, but I love every minute. And that really, you know, speaks to how nuanced coaching can be. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of people that didn't even know that personal chefs need coaches that are personal <laughs> chefs, you know, like exactly. we need coaches for everything. It's 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 fabulous, really, how the coaching world has expanded. So we talk about writing books on this show. And if you wrote a book and, and you're public about this. So I don't think I'm letting the cat out of the bag here, but how naked would you be in your book about your drug and alcohol and food abuse? And what do you think people need to read about in that area most right now in these times? Yeah, like like so many people, when you're in it, you almost don't even know it's a problem or how much, again, it's costing you. And I, I didn't even have a name for it. But once I started learning about life coaching and the program I went through, they actually call it buffering. Like, are you buffering with overeating, over drinking? And it's basically any object or substance or activity you use to dull yourself and distract yourself from real life. 
Before we continue, let me ask you something. Do you want to get naked with your story, but you're scared? Well, you've been listening to all these amazing guests that I have on my show, bear their soul and tell their stories. And some of them have even written books. Now it might be your turn. With five ways to get naked with your story, I provide a safe and quick solution that really will only take about 30 minutes of your time to work through some of your story in a new way. I promise you, it'll be fun, it'll be easy, and you will have moments of enlightenment. So go to astoryinside.com backslash naked to get started and know I'm here for you. And now back to our amazing guest. When I was cooking professionally in people's homes, we would be standing for, you know, 12 hours a day easily in somebody's home. You don't take care of yourself. You go out drinking after you're eating garbage whenever, you know, you could grab it. So all of that just pays a very big toll on you. And when I coach now, we often look at what are you buffering with? It could be scrolling on Facebook and Instagram. It could be dating excessively or just not using your brain, watching TV. And the price of that is it takes you away from your dreams. So I would definitely point that out in a book about how I was in that period for a very long time, even when I had a family and had kids, it was still weighing on me. Amazing. Are you a writer? Do you enjoy writing? I do enjoy writing. I find it like you you have all those thoughts like I should be better at this and I need to practice more, but just doing it is very cathartic and definitely getting out what's on your brain on paper is like life changing because we don't even know what's going on in there half the time. Right. And with the writing, you have an opportunity to explore if you're willing to. I know that a lot of people that have dealt with addictions um, and I like that word buffering. It's it's a great nuanced way to look at addiction. Um, sometimes they fuel success, right? These things, like you mm-hmm. said, like you go out drinking after and you're with the group and we're all having food and it's, it's fun till it's, till it's suddenly not fun anymore. And it starts to destroy you, right? Mm-hmm. Life coaching seemed to be a great recovery tool. Is that, tell me more about that. Yeah. I mean, I would say it saved my life. Like if you, if I did not go down this path of investing in coaching and getting certified and learning more, I don't even know where I would be or what would happen because I thought the world was kind of dragging me along and like the world was happening to me and I had no control or say in whatever happened. I would just be waiting for the next bad thing to happen. You know, this client canceled, this guy broke up with me, you know, this horrible thing happened to my mom. And it was kind of like you just so disempowered. And with coaching, I've learned how to use the power within yourself to affect your outside world instead of waiting for the world to do things for you. So does that make sense? It makes absolutely like, and, and I, I, I'm going to bring up the piece of the parent that you've taken care of. And mm-hmm. 
Oh, it's hard to be positive um, when you're suddenly the parent. Yeah. Definitely. How, how do you not overthink what this person did or didn't do for me when you're now in charge? Yeah. I literally, that was also a huge overthinking a burden on me of having to accept that, you know, my mom who was my mom and is supposed to take care of me and do all these things now at even a young age at like 72, when usually people's parents are helping them, couldn't do anything, anything like walk, talk, um, live alone in an apartment, take care of themselves, pay their bills, go to medical appointments. I mean, anything. So just having to accept that I have a choice in my role in it, because some people could say no and do nothing and walk away. Mm -hmm. Other people could have them move in with them and totally give up their lives. So I had to decide what I wanted to do and stick with that decision and empower myself with help. Luckily, we have financial resources to have certain care for her where we, I did not choose to have her live with us, but I still, I want her to hold my kids. I want her to pick them up from school and she can't do any of that. So yeah, have yeah. to just choose to be grateful for what it is. It's changing uh, the expectation that we have. We have this preset expectation of this perfect lineage of what's going to happen. And then we suddenly find ourselves in charge. You know, it's like, wait a minute, I still want to be parented to some degree. You know, I, I'm not ready to let go of that. And I know right now parents are <laughs> overthinking a lot about our kids' happiness with, and I think 60 to 70% of your clients have kids. Um, mm -hmm. What are you advising them in terms of overthinking what's going on with our kids with homes, this homeschooling and this coronavirus? Yeah, a lot of parents are in a tailspin and, you know, rightly so, because there's so much like shifting and that we don't know. But one really important concept I come back to is we didn't have we think we don't have certainty now but we actually didn't have certainty before <laughs> and that's just the human experience we think things are going to happen a certain way and when they don't we're crushed and going crazy but the way it's supposed to happen is the way it's happening and the closer you can get to getting on board with that and understanding it the more present you can be for your kids, because how do you know their best learning is not going to be through whatever this is, or you're going to become a better parent because you got through this. It seems to me, this is what I'm gathering is that the best way through uncertainty or through, I'm sorry, the best way through, I see I'm overthinking what I have to say. The best <laughs> way through overthinking is to lean into uncertainty. Yes, because it's normal. It's like your brain is programmed from like a thousand years ago. So our world outside has changed dramatically. But what's happening in our brain is literally primitive. It's like, I need food, I need shelter, and I want to feel good. 
So that's what we're seeking out. And we want certainty and we don't want to feel bad. So we're going to reach for things that make us feel good. And every time we're fighting against that primitive brain, which you do build in a business, which is all uncertainty and overthinking, you kind of have to talk to your brain and know that not everything your brain puts out is true. And that's a huge concept that I teach my clients is you get to choose what you want to believe. Like your brain, you think your brain is telling the news. Like (laughs) I call it like the Pope reading a speech, like somebody you want to really believe. And it's like, but like, it's not, you get to choose what is true and not. The Pope reading a speech. I have to think about that for a minute. You mean like we're supposed to believe it? Yeah, like, you know, the dialogue in your mind that you're like running on repeat every day and it, it takes on all different forms. It could be like, I should get up earlier. I need to work out. I don't want to eat carbs. Why am I not reaching out to more people? I haven't sold anything in a month. Like whatever the drama to undertow is, those are all optional. If you were going to give the listeners one food that they could cook so that they can stop overthinking today, what would it be? (laughs) Okay. Food to stop overthinking. I love having a couple of homemade sauces at home that have a lot of flavor. So I have a basil plant outside and I like to do some basil, some soaked cashews, And grind that up like a mock pesto with some olive oil, nutritional yeast, mustard, even some sriracha. And you can leave it in the fridge for a couple of days. And I usually do three or four of those. So you could put it on chicken, salmon, salads, anything. Amazing. There you go. There you have it. Great advice from a successful chef turned power coach who's telling you to stop overthinking. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciated having you. You're welcome. It was a lot of fun. You've been listening to You Should Write a Book About That. If you enjoyed our episode, tell a friend to listen, subscribe, and review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And a big shout out to our listeners on CastBox where you can leave a comment and I will personally respond.